Hey, welcome to the Micro Entrepreneur Podcast, The Magic of Thinking Small. I am Julie Hall, the founder of microentrepreneur.biz and womenunlimitedworldwide.com, the UK's most popular women in business website. On this podcast, my main goal is to help you with marketing, mindset, and smart business strategies to help you build a successful micro business. Listen weekly as I share with you the proven strategies and tips on how to build and grow your micro business from real micro business owners just like you. Make sure you head over to microentrepreneur.biz and sign up to get a copy of my business tools that I couldn't live without. And I look forward to connecting with you over there. Now on to the show. Hey, and welcome to episode 28 of Micro Entrepreneur, The Magic of Being Small. Today on the podcast, we've got Suzanne Dibble, who ran an amazing 30-day challenge called the 30-Day Expert Authority Challenge. And on the show, she talks all about how she did it, how she found her speakers, getting it launched, getting it up and running, the technology she used. And it's a really fantastic episode. So I hope that you enjoy that. Before we go into the show though, um, a couple of things. One, I wanted to let you know that we're doing a webinar next week on Wednesday the 21st at 10am UK time and it is with Denise Duffield-Thomas who we did the interview with last week and she's going to be doing a webinar with us on how to make sure you make more money this year, how to have a rich and lucky year and if you want to register for that webinar you can go to bit.ly forward slash Denise LB. That's bit.ly forward slash Denise LB. And um, make sure you register and you will, if you aren't able to make the call, that's fine. We do send out a replay to everybody that registers. Um, on the topic of webinars, we also did a webinar this week for the Women Unlimited and Micro Entrepreneur Community on the EU VAT changes, which is a real pig of a situation. It's an absolute mess. Um, lots of chaos and confusion around it. So we talk about on the webinar, we talked about what to do, what your options are, what your what you need to do to be compliant. But basically, anybody that sells digital products to Europe, to the UK and or Europe, needs to know and understand about this new legislation. So you can find out more information on that and get some downloads and watch the webinar at microentrepreneur.biz forward slash EU VAT. And um, also to let you know, got lots of stuff this week, uh, let you know that I've got an email course that's going to be coming up in February. I'm going to be doing some webinars on it as well, free ones, um, as well as the, the paid for course, which is coming up. So just wanted to give you a heads up, keep an eye out for that. Make sure you sign up to the microentrepreneur.biz newsletter, which you'll find on the microentrepreneur.biz biz website if you want to be kept up to date with what's going on with that. Now, another thing I wanted to talk about before we go into the show is, I suppose, a little bit of a challenge that I've been finding and um, wanted to just mm, share my experience with that and see if it's something that hopefully is useful to you. I think when we run a micro business, one of the big challenges is creating that separation between life and business. And, it, you know, I'm quite an A-type personality. I naturally have a tendency to want to ramp up things. I'm so full of ideas. There's um, <laughs> lots of other things, but that's another story. Uh, I'm so full of ideas that I find it really difficult to not take action on them, to um, to keep myself 
on an even keel, not to overload myself with too many things to do. And one of the things I discovered over the Christmas holidays was that actually when I completely stop, when I take a proper, proper break, where I don't look at my emails, I don't look at social media, and just spend time with my family and doing things I like, actually, it's a lot more easy to be creative and to get things done when I come out of that. So um, I want to make sure that, you know, in my life, I suppose, in my fam- spend- that I am spending quality time with my family and my kids, not just time doing homework and cooking dinner, but time where we're actually playing games, where we're doing, I don't know, drawing together, going out on bike rides and the such like. And as part of that, one of the things I've decided to start doing is going on an evening digital detox. Well, actually, no, <laughs> that's bullshit. Um, not really an evening digital detox. It's more of a turn off my laptop from six o'clock onwards, because what I find is when I'm in front of my laptop, it's really easy to be messing with my newsletter, to changing my pop-ups, doing um, you know, designy bits to all just things that are really just tweaking around the edges versus things that are really important because the really important stuff gets done early in the day, gets out of the way, and then I've got a, a lot more free time after that. And and I think it affects my sleep. I think it affects how effective I am the next day if I'm not taking a proper proper break. So. That's something that's really working for me. Well, <laughs> I say it's really working for me. I've only done it one day, but uh, I will let you know in the next couple of weeks whether or not it is really working for me. But so far, day one felt great. Uh, but I'd really be interested in what your opinions are or what your stories are or what you do to make sure that you actually take proper downtime where you you know, you shut down, you allow yourself to become more than just you and your business and your kids or you and your business and your partner. So come on to the microentrepreneur.biz website and go into the show notes on on this uh, on this podcast, which you'll find at microentrepreneur.biz forward slash 28. And tell me what your tips are, because I desperately need help here. Anything that you've got to offer will be greatly appreciated. On that note, I'm going to move on to the show with Suzanne. I hope you enjoy it and I'll catch up with you next week. Take care. Hi, and welcome to this week's podcast of Micro Entrepreneur, The Magic of Starting Small. Today with me, I have Suzanne Dibble. Hi, Suzanne. Hi, Julie. Thanks for having me. No problem. Suzanne's actually been on our podcast before. You were one of the first people we interviewed where we talked about um, talked about how to make sure your clients pay you. Do you remember? I do indeed. Now, Suzanne is a fantastic lawyer. She's worked with Richard Branson and lots of very successful entrepreneurs. She now runs a course on how to be an expert authority. And today what we're going to do is talk about uh, Suzanne's program that she ran back in August of 2014, which was the Expert Authority Challenge. And it was such an interesting exercise. I was a part of the challenge. Um, But she accomplished so much in such a short period of time. I asked her to come on here with us and actually talk about that process, what she did, and also talk about how you can become more of an expert in your field. So welcome, Suzanne. Hi, Julie, again, and thanks for having me again. (laughs) 
so um so tell me what was your inspiration for doing the expert authority challenge I had started uh, mentoring people um, because, as you say, I've been a lawyer for many years, uh, for over 20 years. I know I don't look that old, not that anyone could see me on this podcast. But um, so, my, you know, my, my career had been as a business lawyer, a very successful career. And I uh, um, took a bit of a leap of faith, I suppose, at the start of 2014 and, and followed my true passion, which was business, really, more than the law. I've been reading business books, you know, since I was sort of 16 and uh, and, and that is my true passion. And I think that's why I've been so successful in my legal career with small businesses, because I do give that sort of commercial outlook as well as, you know, the pure law side. But I took a leap of, leap of faith and started mentoring people. Uh, I started my own mastermind groups. And it became obvious to me quite quickly that one of the biggest problems that, that coaches, consultants, experts, who are the, the type of people that I work with, uh, it became very obvious to me that their main problem was something very similar to what I'd experienced when I was starting out, which was how to get that steady flow of clients. And when you don't have that steady flow of clients, you're operating from a place of fear. It's not a good place to be. You're stressed about whether you're going to meet your uh, overheads and you know for your business for the next month, whether you can even pay your household bills. Um, if you don't have any systems in place and you really don't know where your next client's coming from and you're literally just going from networking meeting to networking meeting, hoping to pick up a client, it's a very stressful place to be. And I know that because that's, you know, that's where I was when I started out in my business. And, and that fear leads to you seriously undercharging for your services. I know that, again, because I did it. Um, but I also know from experience of having talked to many experts and coaches and consultants that that's, that is what we do because we're so desperate to get that next client through the door. And obviously, that's a pretty awful place to be because soon we become a commodity. And if all we're doing is lowering our prices, then fairly soon we're probably going to be in an even more miserable position because we're going to feel uh, you know, frustrated at having to work for such a low price for our clients. We're going to get burnt out because we're having to do even more work to earn the same money. It's really just not serving anybody. And probably most miserably for me is that I was taking on jobs that I knew were just not joyful for me. You know, they were miserable. They were working with people that I didn't want to work with. It was doing work that I didn't want to do. And I was thinking, hang on a minute, I set up my own business for freedom. And here I am, you know, actually doing, doing really miserable stuff because I'm fearful about where the next client is coming from. And, and that was my experience. And, and, and when I was started the business mentoring, it became very evident to me that lots and lots of coaches, consultants and experts struggle with exactly this problem. Now, with and sorry to ramble on a bit here, Julie, I hope this is all. No, you're good. It's interesting. Okay. Not, not actually rambling, but useful stuff, just to explain the background. And um, what happened with me was that after a few months of this kind of stressful going from networking meeting to the next and, and trying desperately to pick up a client, what happened to me was I got pregnant and I had really debilitating morning sickness that meant that I literally could not get out of bed to go to any networking meetings anymore. So that put an end to that. And I thought, well, okay, I'm not going to be going out networking to get face-to-face -face networking to get clients what do I do now and it was at that point where I put in place some well actually quite simple strategies to get that consistent flow of my ideal clients and, and it got to such 
a stage where, you know, I was having to, I had more work than I could comfortably do. Um, I was turning the work away. I, yes, I could have taken on more lawyers, but to be honest, you know, my interest in, is not in managing teams of lawyers. That's not why I started my own business either. I could have built a very big law firm. That's not what I want to do. Um, so I was turning work away, uh, which was great. Um, and that in turn led to me productizing my expertise and setting up my small business legal academy. But ultimately, it was that experience that I went through and then working with uh, other people who were, who were experiencing similar problems that led to me putting in place the expert authority challenge and then developing the course that you referred to earlier, which is all about helping people go from being you know, pretty invisible in their marketplace to really having clients hunting you down because you're the prize. So just before we get into the authority challenge, you said you implemented some really simple strategies to start building your own profile. Can you tell us what one of those, just give us an example of what one of those might have been? Yep, absolutely. So the first thing that I did that I hadn't really done before then was just be super clear on my niche. Okay, that was the number one thing. I was trying to work with small businesses. Now, that is not enough of a niche for, pe- for me to be automatically front of mind when people are thinking, you know, oh, I need a lawyer. And, and somebody would say, oh, you must go and speak to Suzanne. Okay, because there's so many people who are targeting small businesses. So I had to niche down even further. So the, the place where I wanted to be was that when somebody at a networking meeting or wherever else said, I need a good lawyer, people would automatically refer them to me, which, you know, on the face of it, quite a big thing because there are so many lawyers out there. There are actually so many lawyers who do what I do. And yet, you know, Julie, that you look at any Facebook group of of our type of audience and and everyone will, will refer, you know, everybody who is looking for a lawyer will get referred to me. And, um, so that is the very first thing that I did. I just got super clear on my niche and my niche at the time was working with women who had had a corporate career who were setting up their own businesses to work flexibly around their families. It was a, it was a very authentic niche for me because that was exactly what I'd done. So I knew their challenges. I could speak their language. And I had that, that natural attraction to that group of my target audience. If I'd have wanted to go and attract, I don't know, um, uh, engineering firms... It, it would not have been quite so successful. I haven't, you know, A, I have absolutely no interest in that. And B, you know, you couldn't get any f- further away from, from somebody who's probably involved in, in engineering than what I was doing at that time with working around my kids. So it was a very authentic niche for me. And, um, and, and very happily, uh, you know, there weren't that many other lawyers at actively targeting that very small niche. So I was very quickly able to make a name for myself within that niche. The, the second thing that I did, which, which really uh, had great results and, and is in part due to uh, timing and circumstance, was that at that time, uh, probably really only within the year, the year that I sort of decided on my niche, a whole movement, if you like, had sprung up around, you know, like or loathe the name, the mumpreneur you know, suddenly there were mumpreneur events, there were conferences, there were specific networking meetings that had crashes where you could take the kids, there were membership sites, you know, and that had only really just started around about that time. So I think if I'd have decided on my niche 
a year or two earlier, it probably would have been a lot harder for me to actually find my audience. So one, I had a really authentic niche. And two, there were organizations already set up that I could leverage off to get in front of my target audience. Um, so, so what I did was really identify those, those organizations and just get to know the movers and shakers within those organizations. So through social media, I identified the people who were running the conferences, um, who were doing the networking events, who had the membership sites. And I made friends with them on social media, you know. Um, I offered to help them out. I then offered to go and speak at their conferences. I, um, you know, I, I worked with them. A lot of them became, in fact, pretty much all of them became my clients. Um, and, you know, then they were happy to, rec- you know, even more happy to recommend me to, to their communities. So they, they were certainly the initial couple of strategies that I put into effect. Cool. Well, I, I think and that's really it's really useful. It's quite funny with niching because it can feel really difficult to do or you can feel like you're restricting yourself from, you know, from people that you could potentially be working with. You know, it's it's hard to decide that you're going to close the door to those people. But actually, it really does open you up to so many more opportunities. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I, I still had loads of men getting in touch with me and saying, oh, on your website, I know it says you, you work with mums in business. I'm a dad in business. Can you still work with me? I'm like, of course I can. That's just my marketing niche. I'm not going to say no to an interesting bit of work with you. So, yeah, I had, of course, I had men, male clients as well. Um, but you're right. I have, I have this conversation with a lot of my clients and, and they're, but, but I can help everybody. No, you can't unless you have a massive marketing budget. No, you can't help yeah. everybody because you're, you're stuck at the very first um, hurdle, which is getting your message in front of those people. And you're not going to help anybody if you can't actually get your, your message in front of people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so you built a successful niche business. You effectively became an authority to that community. Um, tell me about when you got started with the Authority Challenge. What was your plan for that? I didn't have a master plan, really. I suppose I had a vague plan. Uh, It was just something that I woke up one day and thought that'd be pretty cool to do. And uh, within literally a week, I'd kind of organized it and we were off. Um, My my sort of plan, I suppose, was that I I knew that I wanted to do this kind of work. And at that time, I was known as a lawyer. So I thought, well, what can I do as a a kind of big splash to, to make people see that I'm not just a lawyer? So for me, it was a good way of getting in front of lots of people. It was a good way of building my list uh, for people who were interested in this type of work rather than the pure, you know, sort of business law uh, um, interests who were on my list at at that time. And um, yeah, in terms of of the money side of it, because yes, even though I did it in a short time frame, it was still probably six or seven weeks out of my, you know, business year that were focused around this. Uh, I packaged up the interviews and sold them, uh, sold, I can't remember the exact figures, but a, you know, a good sort of, uh, very good figure on, on the interviews. And then I had a high level course that I offered to people who I felt were at the right level to, uh, you know, sort of, uh, well, at the right level where the course could really help them in their business. Uh, So those were my sort of 
business objectives, I suppose. It was really profile building, list building, and then uh, packaging up the interviews and then, you know, selling on the high level course. Can you just um, explain for the people that are listening what the Expert Authority authority Challenge was? Yeah, sure. So in, in its essence, it was an online summit and it um, it was a series of interviews with people who were very well known within uh, our our world. So people who who do um, sales and marketing systems, who do webinars, who do sales, who do email marketing, who do uh, tele summits, in fact, uh, and uh, who do blogging, who do writing books, all of the types of activities that are going to be really useful to you as you claim your expertise, uh, your authority um, as an expert. So um, so it's really just a series of webinars. I think we had about 20, uh, over 20 webinars. And um, there was a Facebook group uh, where people could join and talk about the webinars and share their wins and share their challenges. And, and that actually became, and I think that's what I did, Julie, that was a little bit different to other tele-summits or online summits that we might have experienced in the past. I've never seen it done in quite this way, which was that the, the, there was a real sense of community with this challenge. And I think that the reason for that was that because it was a challenge, um, and that is what people what got people engaged. And yes, you know, we had, uh, I think, nearly a thousand people signed up for it. And I, I think there's probably about 400 people in the Facebook group. So not even everybody who signed up for it actually even got involved in the Facebook group. And then, you know, as I think you said, Julie, in your interview on the challenge on tribes, there's always the lurkers, isn't there? You know, so, the, so even though there were 400 people in the Facebook group, there were the lurkers who probably never posted anything, you know, for the for the duration. Um, but there were probably a hundred or so very active people, and that really built up a great community. Um, and then they were, you know, they, they were loving it because of that sense of community, because they were seeing the results that they were getting from the actions they were taking. They were tweeting about it. They were sharing the message, and it was really, I think, that sense of community and engagement that really made this uh, online summit stand out from some of the others that I've uh, that I've seen. Um, yeah. And, the and the challenge itself was what I wanted to do was I it was twofold, really, with the challenge. One was and, and just for people who who don't know what the challenge was, it was that people had to there was a list of about 20 or so activities that, that will help your um, expert status. So things like blogging, getting on TV, doing a radio interview, being a guest on a podcast like I'm doing here. Uh, being featured in a, a magazine, that type of thing. And, and there were different points according to how easy it was to do each activity. So getting yourself on TV would be, I think that was about 100 points or something like that, because that's not as easy as just writing your own blog post, obviously. So it was, it, they all had different points and we, we totted up. People posted in the Facebook group of the evidence of their expert activities and we totted up the points at the end of the challenge. And the prizes were fantastic and it wasn't like win a telly or win a holiday it was stuff that I thought that would really help them within their business so a lot of our speakers were incredibly generous and donated some of their top level courses uh, so we had um, Bernadette Doyle donating her course that's you know sort of a thousand pounds Karen Skidmore donating hers that was two thousand pounds and uh, you know courses of that level uh, were being donated into the prize part and we I think we had 
four people, four winners, were able to choose three prizes each. And it was across a range of, of topics. So one was like a, a marketing templates course, which is brilliant. So I knew it would be really, really valuable for people's businesses. And it, A, created that sense of engagement, but B, it actually gave my speakers a great opportunity to talk about their products without it being a, a sell, if you like. You know, they were actually, t- they were telling people about their products because the main reason was that they were, um, for people who were taking part in the competition, in the challenge bit of it, they wanted to know more about the programs and the courses and et cetera, so that they could choose if they were a winner so that they could knowledgeably choose which one they wanted to opt for. But obviously, it also served the purpose of just telling everybody on the call and everybody who listened to the recordings how awesome these people's programs were. So it was a win for the speakers too. And I know that the speakers have had a lot of people contact them as a result of the challenge. So hopefully it was, it was win-win. And um, so have I said enough about the challenge to give people a good view as to what that was? Yeah, no, I think so. And I, you know, I thought it was really well put together. You had a very wide range of speakers. And how did you choose the speakers that you had on your challenge? They were basically all people that I knew. Uh, so that was that made it really easy because I just phoned them up and said, do you want to have a, a quick chat on a webinar? And they, they were like, yeah, great, no problem. That's why I managed to pull it together in about a week. Uh, whereas if I hadn't known them, then obviously it would have taken a lot longer. But in terms of the topics, again, it was just really things that from my experience, I I knew would be really valuable for people who who were experts and who were looking to to you know sort of become that go-to expert within their niche. So that was it. I just brainstormed what are the what are the key topics for people uh, to to go from being invisible to front of mind for people within their niche, and and happily I knew at least one person to talk very knowledgeably about those topics who I could invite onto the onto the the challenge yeah it was a really fantastic group of people so what would you what was your um your upsell at the end so you kind of describe the the product process if you like that you had so I say I I packaged up the interviews the recordings of the interviews I did the the recordings together with an mp3 file so that people could just listen to it, you know, in the car or whatever, um, and download it to their smartphone or whatever they wanted to do, um, and listen to it on the go. So there was the MP4 recording, there was the MP3 file, and then there was a cheat sheet. And the cheat sheet was a summary of all of the salient points. Which is amazing, uh, fantastic. Uh, which is, it's a great resource, but I really underestimated the amount of time that it took to do those cheat sheets. And of course, me being a control freak and a perfectionist, I thought that I had to do it all myself. So, um, so I, I actually got ill partway through the challenge, yeah. and then and then had a, a quite a backlog of these cheat sheets to do. Um, so, I'm, I'm still glad that I did them because um, I think they are an incredible resource for people. But I probably would, if I did it again, I would release my control freak tendencies. And, you know, line up somebody good to outsource it to. Because I did, and I did actually get them all transcribed um, as well. And, and it just wasn't, you know, just wasn't the same as having a cheat sheet. And then I asked the same person to do the summary. And of course, well, you know, 
it might have been just the person I was using, but they just didn't really, for me, they didn't pick out the important points and, and present it in a way that it was easily understandable. So I think next time I would do more, uh, you know, have somebody lined up who would be capable of doing that. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. So, so we packaged up the interviews and sold them for what I thought was a no-brainer price, um, £27. Yeah, I thought it was a crazy price, yeah, to be for honest. all of the interviews, which is, you know, just... But, you know, I, I'd say... How many did we sell? Uh, a lot. You know, we sold a lot at that price. And yeah, I probably could have charged nine to seven, but then people would have thought twice about it. So I really wanted it to be a no-brainer for people. And, and plus, you know, I do, I do really want, did really, really want people uh, to be able to get hold of these interviews. So we did that. And um, then, uh, as I say, I upsold them into a higher-level course. Uh, and when I say higher level, that's, you know, the thousands of pounds course, um, which was a, a sort of eight week intensive with me, uh, which has had great results. Um, and uh, I'm going to be repeating those next year. Um, so do watch out for a uh, lots of testimonials about that course and uh, details as to how you can sign up for that. Um, but what I also plan to do is to uh, once I'd ended the special, because the £27 price for the interview package ended at the same time that the challenge ended and what I had planned to do was to create a sort of intermediate home study kit uh, for about sort of the 97 to 197 pound range sorry no a bit probably no for the home study probably about the sort of 297 397 and um, uh, and I literally just haven't got around to it which is which is just stupid really because the the momentum I can't even say the word momentum was there you know, Definitely. and, um, and that is exactly, you know, I should have done that straight away and rolled that out straight away. And I haven't. Um, so that's probably one area again, that if I did it again, I would make sure that the, that that was all in place to roll that out, um, at the end of that. But that's saying that I'm still going to be doing that. It's just a case of getting around to it. Um, so yeah, so there's the three income streams, really. There was this sort of packaging up of the, the interviews. Um, then there was going to be the, and there still will be, the uh, home study kit and then there's the high level intensive with with me and a very small group yeah so, so certainly financially it's been very worth doing I think even as a list building exercise it would have been worth doing uh, but but certainly financially it's definitely been worth it and how many people did you say you got on your list so just under a thousand yeah yeah which is you know that's it's a really accelerated way of building it up isn't it yeah and I, I probably could have again if I'd have been uh, thinking you know h- harder in a business sense about it um I, I probably could have asked my speakers to promote it a lot more than I did when I spoke to them I was just like hey if you want to promote it that's fine if you don't don't worry about it you know so it, it, some some speakers did promote it but a lot didn't and um you know I could have been a lot more um tough about that really yeah yeah definitely because it's good profile for them yeah and uh you did it in August, yeah, which is a bit of a funny month to do yeah. something like this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Any regrets around that? I don't know. I mean, it, it, I'm really pleased with how it went. So in that sense, no. Um, it would have been interesting to have a parallel universe to see how it would have gone if I'd have done it in October or yeah. September or whatever. Um, but no, I just that's what I decided to do. And I just have these whims and um, and, and did it. And I think, you know, that's, it's good and it's bad because I had the energy then to do it, yeah. you know, and then if I'd have left it till September, I might not have had the energy to do it. Yeah. 
so so actually cracking on with it then when I just had the idea and I was so you know I I just had the right energy there was no other word for it at that point in time I had the right energy to do it so that's what I did yeah and what would you advise for anybody that wants to do something similar um, I think it depends where you are in your business journey. If you're starting out and you don't really have the same network of contacts as I do and you're not as familiar with technology and internet marketing as I am, then I wouldn't suggest for one minute that you try and do what I did in terms of the timescale. Um, but in terms of just the, the general experience and in terms of you know raising your profile in an area, in terms of building your list, it's an excellent exercise to do if you're prepared to invest the time and effort in it. Um, and, and, and in terms of, you know, Yes, financially it was successful, but also I just love doing it. You know, I'm the kind of person that I love chatting to people. I love learning. I love hearing about other people's experiences. So for me, and I, you know, I love being in the Facebook group with people and, and seeing how motivated and inspired they are. So for me, it was just brilliant. The whole thing was probably one of the best experiences that I've had in my business life. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, if you're like me and you're going to love it, then just do it anyway. What's the worst, that, you know, what's the worst that can happen? But if it's going to stress you out and it's going to be bloody miserable for you and, and, you know, you need to have it all planned to the like last letter and it's going to take you a year and you're not going to make any money out of it, then don't do it. Um, what do you but, think for, the, for a normal person, Suzanne, how long do you think it would take <laughs> someone to put something like this together? Well, when I spoke to Yvette, who is our, our speaker on telesummits, uh, she was amazed at the time scale. She was talking about more like six months. Oh my God, really? Yeah. yeah. Mm. So I think um, I think that's probably on the cautious side. Yes. I, I think a normal person, a normal person, that makes me sound <laughs> not normal. But... None of us are normal, Suzanne. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, you know, Three, three months would probably to actually put it together yeah uh, you know would probably be fine and what do you think someone needs in just in terms of the I'm not asking you to go into a detailed plan but just in terms of the kind of simple process that they they would need what are the things they should be thinking about well first yeah I suppose start with the end in mind which I didn't well, I did a little bit but probably should have done a bit more of so start with the end in mind what do you want to achieve out of it is it profile raising is it list building is it financial is it all of the above and and really work how why you're doing it then make sure that your audience is big enough one of my clients was thinking about doing a tele summit but we worked out that her audience was just not big enough it wasn't worth it how you know, big that, do you think it needs to be well I mean in t- when I say audience, I don't mean the amount of people that you're actually getting on the summit. I mean just your potential pool of of, of clients to market um, it to. To market it to, yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think if you get if you get sort of 300 people on a tally summit, that's great. You yeah. know, yeah. that's still a, a, a great list building exercise, and and you've you've spent time in front of those 300 people. They've got to know, trust, and like you. So you know that in itself is is a good figure. If you had five on a tally summit and you spent three months on it, then I guess I'd be a little bit disappointed about that. <laughs> yes. um, but no, just in terms of, is it the right marketing thing for your audience? Because mm, you know, with, with the, the person who, my client who I was helping with this, you know, it just, she, she'd seen my tally summit. She, she really liked what I'd done. And I said, but is it, is it the best way of getting in front of your audience? And, and for her, it, it wasn't actually. You know, so you've got to really think about who is your audience. Are they the kind of people who are likely to jump on a telesummit? You know, my clients are all in, in this space. You know, they're used to telesummits. They get 
emails into their inbox from people like Eben, pa- Eben Pagan and, and, um, and uh, Lisa Sasevich and people like that who, so they're used to this style of learning. You know, they're quite familiar with a tele-summit or, or go, at least going on a webinar generally. Whereas if you're trying to target, you know, corporates or somebody like that, a tele-summit just isn't going to work because mm. then, A, they, they just don't work like that, you know. So you've just got to think of, is it the right marketing message for your audience or not even marketing message? Is it the best way to help your audience? And, and whilst doing that, get a, get a, a marketing message through it at yeah. the same time. Yeah, yeah. Really good advice, I think. <laughs> but that, I mean, that applies really to any marketing, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, absolutely. You know, there's so many people that are um, sort of saying, you know, my way is the best way. Well, actually, it's really not. And you have to be so focused because time is so precious as yeah. a micro business owner. So, um, so we've got, so you've got to figure it out. You've got to um, figure out whether it's right for your business. You've got to figure out whether or not your list is big enough. What else do we need to be thinking about? Well, not not, not your existing list, but whether your audience, your audience, your, your, your sort of pool of potential yes. people who are likely to be interested in. Yeah. Um, then, um, really, it's about you know what is what is the topic. Um, so, what's the thing that you're passionate about? What is it that you're going to like? In, you know, really enjoy speaking to twenty people about over the course of three weeks or however long you're doing the tele summit for. Um, if it's not something that you're passionate about, that's going to come across in your in your tele summit so so what is it what's the what's the transformational thing for your clients that you you feel passionate about uh, and that might be just one area of your offering that's fine um but you know what what is that that topic and what's the transformation that pe- what's in it for the people coming on your web on your tele summit mm. um then then aside alongside that you've got to work out who are going to be your speakers um you know if you're doing on a topic that nobody really knows that much about apart from you then it's not a tele summit you know if you can't find sort of 10 plus speakers to talk about complementary areas then you're going to be struggling so you need to come up with a list of interesting speakers uh you know the the more well-known the better and um and people who who can talk authoritatively and helpfully and uh about about the, the relevant topic for an hour or so and also, you know, what, your, what is your relationship with those people? Like I said, it was easy for me because I knew them all and, and I'd worked with them and they were happy to help me um, and, and have the opportunity to put their products in front. Of, they trusted the fact that I'd be able to pull it off and, and get a good audience for them. So they, uh, they were happy to invest their time uh, in, in doing it. So what's, what can you offer your speakers, I suppose, is the question. Mm. Um, have, they, have you got a list of people who know you? Have they worked with you? Do they trust you? Uh, because if you if you reach out to a high level speaker and they have doubts about your ability to do a good interview or or get enough people on the call to make it worthwhile for them, then they're going to be too busy to do it, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, so you need to think quite um, quite reasonably. That's the wrong word. Uh, realistically, realistically about who you can actually attract onto the call now saying that one of my other clients who's doing a tele summit that's just coming up actually which will be brilliant um which is called the confident mother uh which is all about i guess believe it or not being a confident mother (laughs) and um she um has managed to get the minister for equal opportunities i think it is uh to appear on the tele summit and also a, a celebrity sportswoman so uh, neither of whom I think she necessarily knew. Well, she did have an opportunity to speak to the minister, which is 
at which point she asked her if she would be interested in coming on the tally summit. So I suppose it wasn't a sort of completely out of the, out of the blue phone call. Uh, so I wouldn't let that restrict your thinking, but just realise that, you know, maybe one out of five, you might be lucky if you approach someone famous who you don't, you don't really know. Um, I, I'd say there that they, they need to really believe in your cause and, mm. cause and your message and, and then they'd be happy to help. Uh, whereas if it's just a sort of a, a money-making thing for you or raising your profile, then then they're not going to be happy to help. So have a good think about who you're actually going to get on the on the summit as speakers. What about the technology? Yeah, so I used um, Webinar Jam, which is a platform that kind of bolts onto Google Hangouts, and it was good actually. You know, sometimes it's a little bit unreliable. I must have been lucky because I don't think we had any. I think we had, no, the very, that's right, the very last one that we did, she, the speaker was frozen out a couple of times, and that was literally the first technology problems that we'd had. Uh, we had one speaker who couldn't get into Webinar Jam, but that was because of her uh, computer. But otherwise, it, in terms of the, um, the streaming, it all worked perfectly. And it's very easy to use, and it's cheap. So Webinar Jam is definitely an option for people to look at. It also gives you the advantage of people can see you, um, you know, quite clearly, and they can see see the uh, the person being interviewed as well. And um, it's make yeah, it makes it be like being in in a living room with with a couple of people just having a chat. It's yes. it's, it's quite it's quite a nice environment actually. I enjoyed it. Um, it's easy to convert the recordings afterwards because they are automatically uploaded to YouTube. And um, do they stay private on YouTube? Yeah, if you, I think yeah that they. You, you go into it pretty quickly and put it into a, an unlisted or a private setting, yeah. But actually, I found that after a while, mine automatically went to an unlisted setting. So maybe it, it kind of learnt that that's what I wanted to do or I don't know. But yeah, if you, if you do it pretty quickly. You also have to be quite quick at going onto Google Hangouts itself because it streams automatically through Google Hangouts. So if you don't want people seeing it who haven't registered through Google Hangouts, um, then you can go and delete that pretty quickly too. Although the chances of people just sort of finding you are pretty slim if you haven't promoted it. Um, And also the recording goes automatically onto Google Hangouts as well. So again, if you're packaging up the recordings like I was, I removed that pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, Other other options are um, you you could just do um, on, you know, not not have um, images, uh, videos of each other and just do, do the speaking. And you can do that through instant teleseminar. Or you could do um, use GoToWebinar. So there's a num- number of different platforms, but for me, Webinar Jam. I-, I looked into all of them, and for me, and what I wanted to do, Webinar Jam was the best. Yeah, yeah. Good. And uh, and what kind of what are some of the results that people got out of it? I think the main transformation that people had was just seeing what was possible and really getting out of their comfort zone and realizing that it wasn't actually that hard to do. So, you know, people who just phoned up their local radio station and got a slot on the radio station that previously they would have thought was, you know, absolutely impossible to do. Mm. Or people getting featured in, in national glossy magazines that, that previously they wouldn't have dared to do. So a lot of the transformation was just around really the mindset of putting yourself out there as the expert. That was, that was a great uh, result of the challenge. And I think the, the Facebook group in the community most definitely helped with that because people were sharing their successes as, as we went along. Um, but also, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, people were getting clients. They were getting that steady flow of clients as a result of it. You know, even I was getting daily emails regularly. You know, people were saying, oh, 
you know, you've, you've, in, um, you've motivated me to start doing my blog again and I've just got three new clients. Wow. You know, out of something as simple as just, you know, re, re, uh, rejigging their blog a bit. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it was uh, tremendously successful for many people. The people who engaged that was, you know, the, the people who didn't attend, the people who signed up and didn't attend the webinars and didn't do anything, then guess what? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing happened for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What would you say was your biggest learning, Suzanne, out of this whole process? Oh, I... You know, I know. We, I mean, we were we were talking about this before we went live, Julie. But do you know what? Actually, I think out of that conversation, my biggest learning, and this probably connects with with the journey that I'm on at the moment, is is that point about the energy. Actually, mm. it, it was yeah, it was probably a crazy time to do it in August. It was probably it wasn't well thought out at all. But do you know what? My energy then said that's what I want to do, and I had the energy to carry it through and make it a success, and that's what I did. So actually, I think my biggest lesson to be learned out of it is just to trust what I want to do and just do it, you know. And then so if I haven't got it all seamlessly tied up and I, I didn't have the, um, you know, the, the home study kit all prepared for the end of it, so what, you know. Um, it was just that it felt right at the time. I had the right energy for it and I did it. So that is actually my biggest learning. Mm. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk us through through it all, Suzanne. It's really fascinating. It was fascinating to watch when it was actually going on but it's been great talking to you about it afterwards as well and just you know getting more insights no thanks for having me it's um it's a passion as mine mine as I hope you can tell <laughs> and um yeah and if anybody wants to um get in touch with me to talk about expert authority then uh, just email me I don't actually I'm not organized enough to have a specific website for this yet Julie um but uh, just reach out to me email me at support at suzannedibble.com or just find me on Facebook. I'm on Facebook all the time. Um, so just send me a friend request or, um, uh, yeah, Suzanne Dibble on Facebook are the best places to get me. And your website? Uh, just SuzanneDibble.com. That's and easy. Twitter? Twitter, I am, uh, gosh, I've changed it recently, at Law4, the number four, online biz, B-I-Z. I, th I think but I'm not on I'm not on there very much these days I, I was on there all the time when my business started out but I've kind of migrated over to Facebook now do you find uh, do, oh, well that that leaves me <laughs> at an interesting point do you find Facebook better than Twitter now as a social media channel I personally do for what I'm doing with my businesses I have a lot of groups on there uh, so you know my US mastermind group we're on there all the time my own mastermind groups are on faith through Facebook my high-level online courses that I run, uh, our groups are on Facebook. So it's just a place where I'm naturally spending time. Mm. So for me, it, it works. And, and yeah, I think Twitter's great for, for sharing content. But for me, personally, for, for forming better relationships and helping people further, I find that Facebook is, is the platform for me. Mm, interesting. Cool. Well, thank you, Suzanne. I have really loved talking to you. And we will... Uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say, really. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you next week. How I'll see that? you next week. <laughs> Take care. Thanks for listening to the Micro Entrepreneur Podcast. 
If you'd like to get a copy of the links mentioned, please head over to microentrepreneur.biz where you can also get a copy of my business tools that I couldn't live without. Finally, if you like the show, please do leave a review on iTunes or whatever podcast site you are listening to this from as it really helps us with our rankings and to get the word out. Thanks so much for your support. Until next time.